Welcome to the Expert Series, brought to you by the Lupus Foundation of America. Our health education team is here to bring you experts in lupus to discuss topics to help you live better. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. My name is Lauren, and I'll be your host. Today's episode is very interesting, and we will be discussing the top questions that the health education specialists here at the foundation get from people with lupus about their skin and hair. And to answer all of our questions today, we have lupus expert, Dr. Kamporis. Dr. Kamporis is Assistant Professor of Medicine and Director at the Yale Lupus Program in Connecticut. He attended St. George's University School of Medicine and worked closely with Dr. Sue Manzi, investigating novel therapeutics for lupus at University of Pittsburgh and Allegheny Clinic before moving to Yale. He's assisted in important clinical research over the course of his career that has contributed to the treatments for lupus and has developed a cohort of lupus patients for novel lupus research. He's also developed the Rheumatology Dermatology Clinic with Sarika Ramachandra at Yale. Thank you, Dr. Kamporis, for joining us today. You're welcome, Lauren. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this very important topic uh, for our patients uh, living with lupus. Great. Well, we're just going to jump right in. You know, today we're talking about top questions that people with lupus have posed to some of the health education specialists. So, you know, we're really happy to have you here with us today. So, we know that lupus can affect some of our organs, all of our organs in our body. It really kind of picks and chooses, it seems, from person to person. And one of the biggest organs or the biggest organ in the body is the skin. We know it's the first line of defense. And so I think it's really important that we talk about what a breakdown in that first line of defense might look like for someone with lupus. So sometimes people call us and they'll say to us, you know, they have skin rashes and they have some other signs of lupus, but maybe their physician won't diagnose them with lupus because they don't have that quote unquote butterfly rash that is often associated with lupus. Um, so my question is, is it true that everyone with lupus will have problems with their skin? And is it true that everyone's lupus has to have this butterfly rash on the face? Well, so I think definitions here are going to be important. I think when we talk about lupus rashes, these are rashes that tend to be present for at least 24 hours. And so some people with lupus may experience malar flushing, or some people with lupus may experience sensitivity to the sun with a transient redness of the skin. But really, if we think uh, there's a rash that's attributed to lupus, it should have been present for at least 24 hours and often is raised when you feel the rash. No, you do not need to have a malar rash or butterfly rash to be diagnosed with lupus. In fact, the new criteria in lupus, both in 2012 by the SWIC uh, organization and in 2020, the ACRUR uh, criteria excludes butterfly rash uh, as a defining characteristic. In, in fact, they discuss or break rashes down by uh, different types of rashes, such as rashes that occur suddenly and acute cutaneous lupus. Uh, and this might be a, a sunburn that doesn't go away with minimal sun exposure uh, or a chronic cutaneous rash. So butterfly rash actually is no longer one of the criteria. About 90% of people with lupus eventually develop some kind of rash uh, so it's important if you develop a cutaneous reaction that you should see your lupologist or your uh, other doctors to see if this might be related to your condition. Rash is really important uh, to handle uh, and really to pin down because it is one of the ways for us or one of the big clues for doctors to realize that lupus might be occurring. So I think if there is a rash, uh, you should see your doctor. And if the rash 
is uh, doubtful in its origin, the rash should be biopsied. That's really great to know about those new criteria. And I think that, you know, that tells us that there's a lot more than just the flushing across the face that could be included for lupus with rashes. So um, can you tell us a little bit about what kinds of rashes that you as a physician might be looking for, um, a dermatologist or you, you guys in the, in the rheumatology dermatology clinic, what are you guys looking for upon diagnosis or follow-up visits? And then maybe if there's a different, depending on skin pigmentation, darker skin versus lighter skin, what are you guys looking for? Right. So, uh, so rashes that I think are important are rashes that change the pigment of the skin. Uh, either if you start with a lighter skin or darker skin, usually inflammation that's deep to the skin interferes with pigmentation. Either you can get loss of pigment or even hyperpigmentation. Uh, we used to think uh, in folks with fair skin, as inflammatory rashes heal, they darken. Uh, and that's true. And we thought the same might have happened to individuals who've had dark skin. But indeed, uh, African-Americans, for example, who have darkening over the skin uh, uh, may in fact have an active lupus process that that's not reflecting a post-inflammatory reaction from lupus. So rashes also uh, are location, I should say, is important in rashes. Uh, rashes that affect uh, certain areas of the body versus diffusely can be a clue if this is a uh, cutaneous only lupus or if this is a systemic lupus. I have a great story for you, Lauren. I grew up in the 70s and 80s and in the, as a child. And in the 80s, uh, uh, music videos came out. And uh, recently, I was watching music videos, and a video came out or, or came on uh, from Seal, a, uh, a musician. Uh, but mm. Seal had a rash in his face, and I'm sitting there watching this about a year ago, and I said, does Seal have discoid lupus in the rash, or did he? And so I checked the records, uh, Googled it, and lo and behold, uh, Seal had a discoid lupus uh, on his face. Mm. And so facial rash often is a clue that there may be uh, rheumatic illness, and particularly lupus. Facial rash, if you talk about discoid, uh, usually means cutaneous only. In other words, if rash, if you have discoid rash, discoid rash is a, um, a rash that's often round and uh, typically associated with loss of pigment and, and redness. Uh, if you have a rash mostly on the face, you see that more commonly in folks with cutaneous only lupus or chronic cutaneous lupus. Discoid rashes that might occur in the extremities, for example, or on the uh, trunk uh, are more strongly indicating systemic lupus erythematosus. So location of the rash, I think, is really important. Uh, what makes the rash better tend to worsen in sunlight? That's a clue that this uh, might be a lupus rash. There's another rash that you will see in newborns, and that's an indication of neonatal lupus. These are babies who are born to moms who have lupus in a particular antibody, and they can come out with a temporary facial rash or even body rash uh, that is termed neonatal lupus. That uh, resolves in time in almost all instances. There's one other rash that I wanted to mention. It's, it's a deep inflammatory rash of the skin called paniculitis. Paniculitis is inflammation of the structures under the skin because actually we have the skin, and then under the skin we have a layer of fat. And that's really important for insulation. So inflammation of that layer of fat can change the skin on top of that. Uh, but it would look very different than discoid rash, right? It might feel hard and it might feel puckered. 
uh, whereas a discoid rash might be raised and it might be red and scaling. And so those kinds of characteristics, location, uh, how the rash is feel to the skin, presence of scale, uh, how inflamed the rash might be, uh, all uh, are important clues, uh, I think, for the doctor to understand if there is a lupus rash. Wow, that's really helpful. And it's not, so location, size, and the texture. But I mean, honestly, if you're someone out there who's got rashes and you're thinking maybe this might be lupus, it sounds like a physician could really weigh in on this topic and, and provide some clarity, especially you talked about possibly getting a lupus, uh, I mean, a skin biopsy as well. Right. I think for rashes that don't go away and rashes that uh, appear to be scarring or uh, changing the pigment uh, and they're not responding to typical therapy should be uh, biopsied because more ominous things like a skin cancer uh, and other uh, disorders of the skin can sometimes just look like a red rash. Now, to go back to the SEAL story, uh, SEAL doesn't have active uh, cutaneous lupus as far as I could tell, but he has the damage from it. And so he's lost a little bit of the texture of the skin, and that's called atrophy. And so when we see skin, uh, the loss of skin structures or loss of the thickness of skin, uh, we believe that uh, those rashes have been present for a long time and there's been irrevocable damage uh, to the skin. That brings up a really good point because I know that a lot of folks who who call us they're they're really concerned. I mean because because the skin or the hair is on the outside, it's a very visible symptom of the inflammation that's maybe raging inside their body, and so it is a you know it's a big concern. What have you noticed if there's any difference for men versus women as far as rashes or hair loss goes? Is is one more inclined than the other to have it from lupus hair loss? That is. Does it look any different? Um, what do you guys? What are you looking for whenever you um, have a man versus a woman patient? Right, not really. I, I think um, well, lupus, systemic lupus, affects uh, women much more uh, commonly than men. And young women in the twenties, probably nine to one women to uh, men, in terms of predilection for lupus uh, affliction. Uh, and but I think uh, there are equivalent rates of uh, skin involvement uh, in uh, both sexes. Uh, there may be a higher incidence of cuta chronic cutaneous lupus in males compared to SLE. And males in general tend to have more severe lupus manifestations, including skin manifestations, which are active rash and hair loss. Uh, men also have an increased risk of uh, kidney involvement uh, should they get systemic lupus. Got it. Okay. So we're looking at patients kind of equally then to see if they've have it, but there might be a little bit more of an increased risk for men for the rashes on the face, you think? Right. Or, or certainly more severe rashes. And if I had an mm -hmm. office of uh, uh, 10 people waiting, uh, all with lupus, statistically, one of those people may be a male. Uh, and that person statistically would have a higher uh, likelihood of organ involvement and uh, higher disease activity scores from lupus. We're not sure if that's because there's something in the genes, if there's uh, uh, differences the way medicines uh, behave in males or females, or if males are coming to the attention of physicians later. It's not clear. Mm. Yeah, a lot of factors there. Well, that's very interesting. So if there are men out there who have rashes and stuff, maybe don't wait. Know that if, even though there is a higher um, 
you know, women are more inclined, I suppose, to have lupus. There's still a, you know, there, men do still get it. So it's definitely important right. for them to follow up on yeah. those things. And um, seal is a okay, man, so, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know. That's such a good example. Um, so you did talk a little bit about in, in the beginning, you know, if someone has the redness in their skin that gets further, um, you know, brighter, more inflamed after being in the sun. Are there any other triggers that you know of that might make skin rashes worse, um, such as UV rays, or are there any behaviors that might um, kind of trigger those those reactions? Yeah, so you, so quite right. Uh, people with lupus are more sensitive to UVB radiation, probably UVA radiation. In fact, if you took skin cells from someone with lupus and skin cells from someone who don't have lupus, and you put them in a culture dish and you expose both dishes to UV light, the patient's uh, skin cells from lupus tend to handle the UV light less uh, uh, well, and uh, those cells die rapidly. Uh, and uh, we know, therefore, that most patients with SLE uh, do experience um, uh, sensitivity to sunlight. And whether it's clear or what we call subclinical, maybe they're feeling a little extra tired the next day, uh, might uh, indicate that UV rays are worsening disease activity. Certain medications actually can cause rashes that are uh, lupus related. Uh, so if you start a new medication and there is a new rash that doesn't go away, you should uh, certainly make sure that that uh, isn't related uh, to an SLE-like process. Or if you develop a rash and maybe had a different diagnosis, this might be a clue that things are changing for you. And of course, the immune system changes regularly. Stress and lack of sleep uh, can increase disease activity in lupus because it um, causes the immune system to be less regulated uh, when we're under stress or when we have um, uh, a lack of uh, sleep. Uh, the immune system tires out uh, and it's less able to, as I said, control uh, inflammation. Uh, it's not uncommon for lupus rashes to come out during pregnancy. Uh, occasionally, these rashes are acute cutaneous lupus. Uh, sometimes, uh, discoid rashes can worsen, so that's chronic cutaneous lupus. So, a change in one state, uh, a pregnancy, for example, uh, which is a huge physiologic strain, in some can also cause rash to worsen, but uh, uh, pregnancy is associated with its own series of different rashes, and in that case, it's very important to see your doctor uh, to know if the lupus is getting worse or if it's uh, a separate issue related to pregnancy. Well, that's a really good point. I hadn't even thought of, so I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, and definitely, if there are new rashes, I think you're, you just hit the nail on the head. If there are new rashes or changes to what you expect from your lupus, definitely go back to your healthcare provider and let them know um, because changes are important I to agree. note. Yeah, and you know, Lauren, sometimes a hint that the skin is becoming more inflamed is that uh, people will itch more. And itch mm. uh, often is an indication of a uh, of inflammation occurring skin deep, as as it were. That and is, patients who have inflammation in the scalp, they may be losing hair, and you look and you don't see a rash because, by mm -hmm. the way, just like these discoid rashes, for example, uh, cause loss of pigment, they're causing loss of hair cells because as, uh, the inflammation is deep in the cutaneous structures, and inflammation heals by scar, and so. We want to prevent that because loss of uh, hair follicles may lead to chronic loss of hair. So itchiness is that, another symptom that sometimes indicates cutaneous activity without seeing the rash. 
a really great tip. I didn't I didn't know that about the itching, but that totally makes sense. And and if someone is able to if their you know, their head is itching and they've got lupus, and it, you know definitely have someone to look at it. It's hard to look at your own head, so definitely to it, talk with their doctor. It is. Wow. And, and you know, many of us think about five percent of patients with lupus can get hives. And so occasionally a patient may come and they're having recurrent hives. They're usually a delayed a diagnosis because they're typically treated as urticarial illness or hives. And it only becomes clear when things might worsen or if the doctor checks a laboratory test uh, that maybe there is a more um, systemic inflammatory process at play. Wow. So even people who maybe just have that cutaneous lupus, just to be mindful of if anything becomes even more concerning that to, to think about the systemic part of lupus as well too, right? That's right. To that's right. And in general, that's right. And in general, if someone has chronic cutaneous lupus or discoid lupus, uh, they tend not to progress to systemic lupus. We think about 5% or 10% of people with the skin only form may go on to develop uh, okay. systemic lupus. Oh, good. Okay. That's good to know. Wow. So this is, this is such helpful information. And I, I know that lots of folks out there are going to be so, uh, so happy to have all of these details you're providing. Um, I have one last question that is, it's a big one Great. these days. Um, you know, we're in the middle of a polar vortex <laughs> over much of the United States. <laughs> and so we are definitely getting people calling, asking questions about climate and environment. So what do you know, as far as what do you recommend to people who are living in warmer climates, dry climates, um, versus just really bitter cold in North Dakota or Alaska? Um, mm -hmm. Are there any any special things that people can do to protect their skin or to maybe treat it if they start to see a worsening in their rashes? So you make an excellent point. UVB radiation or the UVB ray, right? UVA is the sunburn ray. Right? UVB rays are the rays that cause wrinkles. Other rays that um, um, also can cause changes in the DNA, right? In a way. Um, so, but UVB rays are unaffected by cloud cover, temperature. Or you could be, you know, there's a similar amount of UVB. I mean, maybe a very cloudy day, it's not as much, but UVB can penetrate uh, clouds. And so you can go out even on a cloudy day. And uh, for those folks who are extremely photosensitive, can get significant cutaneous reactions. And so, liberal use of sunscreen uh, is very helpful for those individuals who have active serious rashes or who have significant reactions to sunlight exposure. In fact, I often see patients who've been skiing uh, come in with mm -hmm. facial rash because of the reflection of the rays uh, causes inflammation in the skin. Keeping the skin hydrated is really important uh, because like you said, the skin is a barrier and the skin is a barrier to the outside, but so is the gut. And so is the lung. And so when we talk about environmental influence on the uh, disease process or initiating disease, we look at those interfaces, the skin, the gut, and the lung. And we look at why, what is happening at those interfaces and what are the cells involved with those interfaces and how do those cells behave during normal day-to-day -day activities and, and why do those people develop what we call a break in tolerance point is, if you can manipulate the barriers, i.e. use uh, sunscreen uh, uh, or maybe changing the gut or stopping to smoke, 
you will impact the immune function uh, at that interface, which seems to, and, and this is, you know, a lot of this is uh, still in the works, but that seems to correlate strongly with a certain disease outcome. That is so helpful and a great way to tie in the whole body into this. And, you know, it's not necessarily just because it's cold or cloudy that you really have to think about all aspects of your environment around you, specifically the sun or certain behaviors like smoking or what you're eating as potential Mm -hmm. influencers or triggers um, for your lupus. So I love how you tied that in. That's really helpful. I think that, you know, you've provided so much information for people out there who have questions about lupus for their skin and their hair. Um, Is there anything in particular that we missed that you want to make sure that we impart on folks? Maybe a question out there that I didn't ask? Well, I will say that um, many therapies do exist to improve skin manifestations of lupus, both chronic cutaneous lupus or skin rashes associated with uh, systemic lupus erythematosus. There are uh, new medications that hopefully will... um, uh, uh, be available to our patients, uh, which seem to have significant improvement, uh, particularly for skin lupus. So we're looking forward to new breakthroughs in the management of these skin diseases. If you have chronic skin problems, uh, do your doctor uh, because uh, this A uh, may be a manifestation of another part of uh, disease. Or if you have lupus, it would be important to understand if this is reflecting uh, internally heightened lupus activity, or if this is a reaction to some medication, or is there a new process that we need to be uh, concerned about. So I think the skin and hair uh, is very much like the eyes, which is the window to the soul. The skin and hair manifestations is very telling in terms of how active the lupus is, and usually response in the skin uh, and in the hair uh, correlates with global responses uh, uh, in those patients. I want to thank you for this time. I think this is a really important topic for patients with lupus. It uh, affects most of them, uh, but uh, uh, the good news is uh, new therapies are being tailored for this yet unmet need, and we're looking forward uh, to bringing these patients uh, back to skin clarity. Thank you so much. Thank you for ending on a hopeful note for all the new therapies that are out there for folks with lupus. Thank you so much, Dr. Camporas, for your time today. And for those of you listening in, you can find more information about lupus and the skin on the National Resource Center on Lupus by visiting lupus.org forward slash resources. For the latest information on lupus and COVID-19, please visit lupus.org forward slash coronavirus. To listen to additional episodes of the Expert Series, you can visit lupus.org forward slash the Expert Series, where you can also subscribe to get alerts when podcasts are released And if you'd like to speak with one of the health education specialists, you can go to lupus.org forward slash health educator or call 1-800-558-0121, extension 136. And finally, to connect with others with lupus from all over the world, I invite you to check out our online support community, Lupus Connect, where you can talk with others, find emotional support, and discuss practical insights for coping with the daily challenges of lupus. You can find the community at lupus.org forward slash resources forward slash lupus connect. Thank you and have a wonderful day.